I'm excited to be with you this morning, um, although I must admit, I'm a little, little disappointed. Um, we're missing out on Pajama Sunday. Yeah, I, I had every intention of being here this morning in my, uh, my pajamas until I was told by a, a very firm but, but gentle and kind church member that it would be, quote, inappropriate. So I went ahead and took a picture uh, so you guys could at least see what was going on. Um, you know, Ruth, thank you. You're right. You're right. Yeah, this, this is better. Would you guys pray with me? Christ Jesus, be with us now. Grant that we may hear your words and not mine. You must increase, I must decrease. Grant that those of us in our joys may find the grace to meet those in sorrow this morning. Grant that those of us in sorrow may find the grace to meet those in joy this morning. We pray these things through your name. Amen. We've got an exciting text to open up to this morning to dig into, so we're going to dive right in. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you're with us at home, go run and grab a Bible. Pull it up on your app. Pull up our digital uh, bulletin. The text will be in there, but, but I, I really want you to have this scripture in your lap because I'm going to read it through once and we're going to be jumping back to it this whole time. So it's important to me that you have the book of Philippians chapter 4 open in your lap. Now, there is so much in this text, and, and we would all do good, especially in this season, to, to memorize this passage, to meditate on this. I'm telling you, there's, there's far more than I could ever understand and far more than I could ever talk about with my little wisdom uh, in the few short minutes that we have together this morning. Um, but the good news is, this Wednesday, we have Midweek Live, if you guys have been joining with us then. This is an excellent opportunity for you guys to continue to stay plugged into our community, especially in this time. Wednesdays at 1 o'clock, we continue the conversation from the sermon. We look ahead to the next week. Um, we would love it if you guys joined us live. If you can't, listen to it at night. Listen to it on your ride home Thursday morning. Uh, we'd love for you to continue to be part of the conversation. So with that said, let's dig in. Let the feast begin. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 4. Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. So we have some responsibilities from this text. We have some responsibilities. Right out of the gate, Paul tells us to rejoice, and he really means it. <laughs> Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This word might be translated as gentleness, humility, in your scriptures, submissive spirit, yielding uh, what I want for the sake of others. That's, that's what this word is getting at. And to not be anxious about anything. Three big responsibilities. Rejoice, be gentle, don't worry. Simple enough, right? I'm going to be honest, friends. It's tough to read this right now. This almost feels insensitive. 
for this to be the text for this morning. It almost feels like a cruel joke that God isn't kidding when he says, rejoice in me always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And when he says, don't be anxious about anything. It's crazy. Now let me get one thing clear before we go any further. This is not heaped up sentimentalism. These are not words that I'm trying to pump you full of this morning that'll give you some warm, fuzzy feelings so that you feel good about yourself. Because let's be honest, as soon as we leave this space, we're gonna be hit with the whirlwind of evil. It's no joke that this year has been one of the most difficult years for many of us. We have encountered so much tragedy, and can I just say that as a community, we have embraced, we've been forced to embrace together some of the most traumatizing things in the history of mankind. And yet God says to rejoice. And let's be honest too, if you're watching with us on Facebook, as soon as you hit that X in the right, upper right hand corner, you're going to be bombarded by a barrage of statements that are going to make you feel fearful, that are going to make you feel hostile, that are going to make you feel that you just want to disengage from the whole world because we are in this terrorizing reign of evil. And it's no joke. We see hatred everywhere we go. We see, you know... If you just scrap the current issue that we're talking about as a nation right now, the, the, the current things that we're messing with, you understand that throughout history, it's been the same thing. Brother and sister out to get each other. Unlove and hatred towards our neighbor. That's what we're dealing with, and it's thick. And Jesus Christ himself says, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Can you feel it? And so, so this is not a, a, a happy little pep talk for us sheep to go out and be devoured by the wolves because we know that that doesn't work. We know that we can't just have our little sanctuary time for a few minutes and then expect to be good for the rest of the week. That, that's not what this is. I believe that there is a true way to live in this way, yes, even November 15, 2020, that we can rejoice, that we cannot be anxious. I believe it. And I believe that there is only one paradigm, only one philosophy, only one worldview, only one reality in which it is possible to fulfill this text, to rejoice always, to worry never. And I've got good news. That reality is the reality that we're living in today. We call it the kingdom of God. There's only one way that this is possible, and it's the kingdom. We've got our responsibility. Let's take a look at our reason. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. The only way it's possible for us to rejoice, the only way it's possible for us to not be riddled with anxiety right now in this day is because the Lord is at hand. Amen? 
Your translations may say, the Lord is near, and that's fantastic because we've got uh, two different ideas going on with the same word, and I, I want to walk us through it. We're talking about nearness both in time and space. We're talking about closeness both on the clock and also in the room. Let me break this down. The Lord is near. First, let's talk about time. Luke chapter 21, verse 25 through 28. Jesus is talking about the end here. He says, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity. Does that sound familiar? Because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. Redemption is near, my friends. The kingdom of God in its fullness is near, my friends. The day is coming, the day when we will see Jesus descending from the heavens just like he ascended with trumpet blasts and lights of glory. The entire world will face him. And the Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away, and the one on the throne will say, Behold, I am making all things new. Do you believe it? Do you believe that this day is near? Do you believe that God, in his goodness, and in his justice, and in his mercy, is not going to let evil have the last laugh? Do you believe that God is going to do something about this mess? Do you believe that he's going to do it soon? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The time is coming, friends. Take heart. Rejoice in that. Don't be anxious. This isn't forever. What's forever is good. The time is near. The Lord is near in time. The Lord is also near in space. Listen to the words of the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Zephaniah is one of the minor prophets, not because his message is minor, just because there's less words in it. Zephaniah 3, verse 17 says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. God's doing the rejoicing now over us. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord is near. Rejoice, take heart, don't be anxious. Our God is not a cosmic programmer who plugs in all these codes to the universe and then sits back in his desk chair with his feet up and lets the universe run its course. No, that is not our story. That is not our God. Our God is intimately and in, intricately involved in our lives. Our God created the entire universe for us. He stooped down and with his hands from the dust formed humankind, breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. And the only reason that our lungs are inflating and deflating right now is because the Holy Spirit is in our midst and God is continuing to provide life for us. Whether any human will admit that or not, that is the truth. 
And he's near. He's so near. Scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And I believe with my whole heart, friends, that that extends to digitally gathering. Take heart. Rejoice. Don't worry. The Lord is near. So we have our responsibilities, which really are are phenomenal responsibilities when you think about it. If my responsibility this week, my job, is to rejoice, that's awesome. What a joyous thing. But we're in a season where rejoicing is hard. We're in a season where not being anxious or worried is hard, but there's only one reason why it's possible, and it's because the Lord is near. And so now we get to our response. How are we to respond to the fact that the Lord, God Almighty, Yahweh, the one whose name is so powerful that there are some who won't even let those syllables utter from their lips, is near? How can we respond? Let's see what Paul says in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The answer, friends, is prayer. And you know what I love about this sentence? It's that prayer isn't the main verb in this sentence. Prayer isn't the command in this sentence. Prayer is just understood. <laughs> so when you're praying, do this. It's almost like Jesus saying, when you're fasting, do this. When you're praying, do this. It's, it's not, hey, guys, we need to pray. It's like, no, I'm assuming that you're praying all the time. Paul says pray without ceasing. As you're doing that, I want to encourage you to continue to, to, to do this. Friends, I'm convinced that we struggle with anxiety as a community because we struggle with prayer. I'm convinced that we struggle with worry because we struggle with prayer. Satan has a chokehold on this area in our life, and he loves to get us in this cycle where we, we don't pray, And so we don't know how to pray. And we don't know how to pray, so when the time comes, we don't pray. We don't pray because we don't know how to pray, and because we don't know how to pray, we don't pray. Friends, please hear me. I am not here to shame or expose in any way. That is not my job. And and frankly, I don't think that's what the Spirit would desire either because the Spirit is always calling you to come. He's not going to smack you upside the head and tell you how dumb you are. That's Satan. And Satan would love this morning to twist these words and to get you even more in this cycle, even more ashamed, even more embarrassed, and even more distant from God. That's what Satan would love to do. That's not my aim, and that's, that's not Christ's aim. Christ is the one saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take your yoke upon me, learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's the one saying, come. 
And so, friend, if, if you find yourself in this place, if you say, you know what, Nate, I haven't prayed in years. Other than the, God, thanks for the mac and cheese in front of us, amen. God, thanks for a day. I hope I wake up in the morning, amen. I don't, I, I haven't really communed with God. I haven't really had a conversation with him. I haven't really pulled up the chair next to him and just chatted in a while. If that's you, I want to, honestly, friends, as, as gently and as lovingly as I can, not in a condemning way, but in an inviting way, because I know how much God desires you, and I know how good it is for myself when I'm meeting with him regularly. I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to challenge you to pray this simple prayer that Jesus' disciples prayed when they were in a similar boat. They just said this, Lord, teach us to pray. The most simple, honest, humble prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And if anybody could say that, it was the disciples, right? We have no idea what's going on. And if that's you, you can resonate with that and know that the 12 people that Jesus picked out were like, we don't know how to pray. <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you risk it? Would you, would you reach out enough to say, Lord, teach me to pray? I believe that's one of God's favorite prayers. Because if we're all honest, that's all of our prayers. We don't know what we're doing. He's God. Oh, but he will answer that prayer. He will answer that prayer. So Paul says, as you're praying, here's a couple things I want you to do. He says, and by prayer and supplication, your text may read petition. This is simply telling God where it hurts. God, this is where I hurt. This is where I fear. This is why I'm worrying. That's what petition is. And, and one of the most beautiful things we can do as a community, and one of the things that I, I'm telling you is going to draw us together as a community in this time, which I know we desperately need. We, know, we need to know that we're not alone in this time. One of the things that will draw us together is when we lift up petitions for other people. When we do this in community, when we say, God, he hurts. God, she hurts. God, they need this one. Can you help? And we get to do that as a church body. We do this every single day. We have what we call a prayer chain. It's a very simple idea. All you do is email somebody on staff, call in the church, text somebody on staff, text an elder, just find some way to reach out to us and say, hey, this is what's going on, can you pray? If that's you, if, if there's anything that hurts, would you risk the vulnerability to let us lift that up together? Because God responds to our prayers. Scripture shows us that. If you want to join the prayer chain, if, if you want to be interrupted in your day with the holy, hey, someone's hurting, and, and to take 15 seconds away from whatever you're doing and say, God, they hurt, can you help? If, if you want that holy interruption, that holy buzz, would you please text prayer to 260-215-4334? Or would you email Kathy Tyner, ktyner at bachelorcreek.com? We'd love to get you plugged in. Every prayer request that comes to our church body with the so many people that we have in our community, you're going to get that buzz. And it's going to be people you've never even heard of before. You're like, whoa, they go to church with us? Well, God, will you help? So that's, that's supplication, that's petition. But I really want to focus on this next one. He says, and everything by prayer and supplication 
with thanksgiving. I'm not going to lie to you. This whole sermon series is about these next two words. And so, don't worry, this, wasn't, this whole thing wasn't just an introduction for the real sermon. We, we've been going, this is the real thing. But thank you notes, Thanksgiving's coming up. This is what we're talking about, that we're going to be as audacious as a community to be thankful in 2020. And I kind of like that. Because that's defiance, right? Take that, enemy. We're going to be thankful. Because here's what I know. It's ten times easier to complain than to be thankful. It's way easier to complain than to be thankful. Watch this. I can complain right now. I don't like how it's cold and rainy. I don't like how it's dark when I leave work now. I think that's a terrible idea. I don't like, where is it at? My mask. I don't, somewhere. I don't like how we have to do that. I don't like that I spilled coffee on my pants this morning. You better not zoom in, camera crew. Just take my word for it. I did. It's easy to complain. But here's the thing that I also know. I'm convinced of this. There is always more in life to be thankful for than to complain about. I'm not kidding. Wherever you are in life, whatever 2020 means to you, whatever trauma you've experienced, whatever evil you've been drugged through, the fact that you're alive and breathing right now tells me that there is more in your life to be thankful for than to complain about. In Christ, because the Lord is at hand, and because you have breath in your lungs, there is more to be thankful for than to complain about. It's just that we've conditioned our hearts to complain. We've bought into the lie that it's okay to be negative all the time. We've bought into the lie that it's normal to complain every time something doesn't go my way. And it's, it's just not the case. Our, our hearts were, were hardwired with thanksgiving because God knows that when we're complaining, resentment sets in. And when we're resentful and bitter, we are closed down to the goodness of life and we're unable to receive the goodness of life as a gift. God knows that that's what happens. We shut ourselves off from that. Not that goodness doesn't exist in the world anymore. We've just put up a wall so that we can't see it. And God knows that when we're thankful, incredible things happen and we start to receive everything as a gift. That that's possible. Can you imagine with me that it's possible to truly be thankful in all circumstances? Imagine the kind of person that you would be. Because you know that the people you like to be around are the thankful people, right? Those are fun. I remember a guy, uh, he ate the same bowl of life cereal every day for 30 years, and every single morning, man, that's good. And it just makes you smile. It's life cereal. There's nothing special about that. You've been eating the same cereal every day. But he was thankful, and it's, in, it's, it's contagious. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. With thanksgiving. Friends, I can tell you the truth of this because this year has been the hardest year of my life and although my years are few, the suffering was real. The pain was deep. The, the, the tragedy, I'm just gonna say that word, 
It has been a tragic year in our community, in our families. Many of us are struggling with divorce, with death of loved ones, of friends, loss of job, loss of our routine. And I, I found myself in a very, very low place. And I was challenged from the depths of that low place to be thankful. Simply to be thankful. So here's what I did. I pulled out my journal, and I started on page one, and I put a number one, and I wrote down something I was thankful for. And then I wrote number two, and then I wrote number three, and then I probably got somewhere to six or seven, and then I was done for the day. That was all I could come up with. I told you it was a low place. But the next day I got up and I wrote number eight. And I kept going all the way to somewhere in the 600s at this point. Now, a lot of them are repeats. I thank God for coffee about every single day. <laughs> repeats are okay, because it's, it's not about me trying to make a bigger list, or like, yeah, I have so much going on for me in my life. It's about cultivating a heart of thankfulness. Because here's what I believed. Even, even when I couldn't see it, and I know it's true now, and I hope that even if this sounds ludicrous to you, that, that you would just imagine enough to believe that it's real, that Thanksgiving cultivates a heart of peace. And I can't think of a better gift I could offer to any of you than a heart of peace in this season. If you don't believe me, which you shouldn't, unless I back it up with Scripture, let's see what Paul has to say, Philippians 4. I'll start at verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, not the P-I-E, like just a small section of God, the peace of God, the shalom of God, the wholeness of God, the goodness of God. It will not just rest upon your hearts like a, like a light blanket. It's going to guard your heart and your mind, sword unsheathed, standing in between your heart and the evil that's coming. It's going to stand between your mind and all the things that make you anxious, the flood, a spiral of toxic thoughts. It's going to stand in between and guard you in Christ Jesus, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is coming, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Amen. It will guard you, protect you, defend you, deliver you. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. It, it's, it's so much higher than what our human wisdom can, can grasp. Can't be measured in a lab. Can't be understood by a psychologist because it comes from Christ Jesus. So that's the result. That if we take our responsibilities seriously this morning, knowing that the only reason this is possible is because the Lord is near, if we respond to him in love with thanksgiving, the result is the peace of God is going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want that today. So I want to offer a challenge, a very specific challenge that I believe is going to help us cultivate hearts of peace. It's Thanksgiving. We had these made a couple weeks ago, this journal. 
It says, in all things, give thanks. And if you want to, I'm going to say even if you don't want to, you should. You should swing by the church sometime this week between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and pick one of these up. We've got them in the, the you don't know where I'm pointing. We've got them, and I'm pointing the wrong way anyway. We've got them in the, the front doors of the office. This is going to be your thankful journal. I want you to open it up to number one, page one. Write something you're thankful for. You know what? I want you to do this right now. Everyone, if you're in the room, seriously, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen. If you're at home with your family, grab a scratch piece of paper, grab a pen, grab a pencil. I want you to write down five things you're thankful for right now. I'm serious. I, I would rather take the rest of the time that I had to do this than for me to say anything else. I want you to write down five things you're thankful for, and I'm going to give you a minute to do so. Five things. If you're having trouble, you can start with the Lord is near. You know what? If you didn't get all the way to five, that's okay. But I wanted you to get a kickstart. I want you to start being thankful. I want you to turn those complaints into thanksgiving because thanksgiving cultivates a heart of peace. And I know that even now, even this year, even today, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, can guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So that's how I want you to respond, a thankful journal. If, if you've never responded to Christ for the first time in your life, if you said, you know what, I really need that, I really want that, would you please post something in Facebook, send us a text, send us an email, carrier pigeon, however you got to do it, let us know. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Would you pray with me? Christ Jesus, we do not deserve any of the good gifts you've given. My prayer this morning is simple, that we would be able to recognize and receive the good gifts that you've given us. We love you so much, and my prayer is that we would hear you. Bless you, Lord. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.